0: Hey there, Hit Like a Girl pod listeners. We've got some exciting news that's too good to keep to ourselves. You all know Grace Minton, whose stories have captivated us over the past couple years. Well, Grace has been doing such an amazing job with her show, High Tea with Grace, that it's time for her to shine even brighter. Yes, you heard that right. High Tea with Grace has graduated to its own show with its own brand new RSS feed. While we've loved sharing Grace's episodes as special bonuses on the Hit Like a Girl pod, it's now time to give Grace the spotlight she deserves. So what does that mean for you? To continue enjoying the compelling stories and insights from Grace, head over to your favorite podcast platform and hit that subscribe button for High Tea with Grace. Trust us, you don't want to miss out on what she has in store. Her latest series is dedicated to understanding the VC funding world, aka fund like a girl. Thank you for supporting us, and let's show some love for Grace on her exciting new journey. Remember, search for hi Tea with Grace and subscribe today. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast, where with each episode, we hear from different women experts in the health IT industry. We like to hear about what makes them tick, how they overcome challenges,
1: Work they're proud of, advice they would give to other women in health IT, and much more.
0: I'm Joy Rios. And I'm Robin Roberts. Today's episode is with founder and CEO Jen Horinjeff with Savvy Co op, a patient owned platform where patients and end users are playing a pivotal role in healthcare and health IT solutions. Savvy Co op allows patients, healthcare consumers, and caregivers actively engage and be rewarded in healthcare and tech ideas, development, deployment and research so that patient-centered design can happen in
2: a very real way. I can tell you both my personal story and kind of where savvy fits within that sort of realm and the best way to even describe what we do at savvy is to tell you a personal story of kind of what we do and why we do it and my background being as a patient with chronic illness. So I consider myself a patient. I was diagnosed with juvenile arthritis when I was an infant. So I've kind of always grown up in the healthcare space. And so ultimately I wanted to do something in healthcare. I became a human factors engineer and a patient-centered outcomes researcher and academia and just heard all these people talk about patients and never talk with them. And that didn't make sense to me as somebody who's really involved in the patient communities and so set out to make that easier for people so there's really no excuse not to work with patients and so that's what we do at Savvy is provide an online platform that helps to connect companies or researchers or innovators directly with patients so they can actually talk to them, work with them, run ideas by them so that we can accelerate this process rather than spend a lot of time and money building products and services that don't make a meaningful difference in patients' lives.
1: You know, on the way
2: to meet with you today, I was just making
1: a comment to Joy that we were walking around an event and we were just seeing vendors and it just seemed like layer upon layer upon layer of stuff now that really some of the most valuable people out there are now few and far between that are trying to be part of either bettering that patient experience or being really part of the solution. And now it's like there's software for the software for the software is what a lot of this feels like. So what are some of the people in your online platform, what's, what's most popular? What's, what are people most passionate about, or who are they trying to connect with most?
2: Yeah, I mean, I do think that there's a lot of technology out there that's trying to solve problems, but what I can tell you from my experience is that there's a lot of people coming into healthcare, the space now, from tech that may have never been in healthcare before. And so therefore they don't know that it is a different ecosystem and that the end user, the patient, is different than kind of your consumer of you know normal everyday products and so just throwing tech for tech's sake is not the solution we have too much of that and it doesn't integrate with how a patient just wants to live their life I mean the point is that a patient doesn't want to have to think about being a patient and things can just more seamlessly integrate rather than having to jump through all these different hoops and that's really what can be some of the struggles that we see is whether or not the things that are out there meaningfully impact somebody's life.
0: How do you get into or how did you get in? the puppets involved
2: (laughs) (laughs) well there's an excellent story behind that the puppets are kind of an accident if I can be so honest that when we set out to make some explainer videos I was going and you know seeing what that was like and getting some quotes and you know they were saying this is going to be ten fifteen thousand dollars to create you know these two minute explainer videos I thought this is bonkers and this is not a good use of our money, and you know I think that speaks to healthcare too, of like all the money that gets pumped into things that like is that the best use of our dollars? And so I said I can do that, and so I just went online and bought some props. And I kind of joke about this that uh, my co-founder at the time was sort of out of commission for a bit, and I. Texted him and said, I'm gonna make a puppet video. And I kind of joke that I'm the one that has these like wild ideas and he's the one that like brings me back to reality. So I was left unchecked. And so therefore I just went and made these little videos and then they kind of took on a life of their own. The people loved the puppets, so it didn't, I didn't mean it for it to be this thing, but. Yeah.
0: So is that a standard feature now if you're doing any explainer videos that it's with the puppet?
2: All of our explainer videos are with our puppets. We even will make videos for our partners and explain what they do as well with puppets and with, you know, complicated props, and they're all single take videos. We even did a series of videos too that we called Messed Up Patient Experiences, where patients would submit. All the you know, bonkers things that they went through, they give us kind of a story and then we were sort of acting it out with the puppets and props just to kind of shed light on the fact that these things are happening. I almost feel like, just kind of like maybe you might tune out your mother, that you stop hearing patients and what they're going through and we've kind of just muted them a bit because people think that they're cranky or whatnot, they don't have the resources to do it, so What we found is by creating these puppet videos, people are at least engaged and so they're hearing it. And while it might not be the full story, it's a a way for people to kind of get reacquainted with what it's really like for a patient. So how long have you been doing this? the puppet videos or (laughs) (laughs) the the Um, whole thing so uh, we formally incorporated the end of 2016 so it's been just about two years now but we launched our platform at the end of 2017 so it's been a little bit
1: but it's gotten a lot of traction yeah
2: I mean it's it's been great I think what makes us unique is our co-op structure and that we are collectively owned by patients. Anybody can join, and that makes them an actual co-owner. They're a shareholder of our co-op, and it's just a different model that people haven't been seeing before, and we, as patients, felt that that was important to restore the balance to the stakeholder that kind of has been left out of the process, And, and that's really kind of what I think has made us get a lot of traction and asking questions, so how could we be doing this, and we're just really passionate about making sure that we're valuing patients.
0: Can you highlight any examples of where, uh, through the platform, patients have now heard, have had their voice heard? Oh,
2: yeah, so that's what, we have, like I say, a, a gig board that we post all these different gigs, so we post new ones every week, and it might be testing out a new personal health record app, and they want people to come in and you know, check it out, load their health records, see how it works. And it's amazing that the feedback we get from both sides, right? The clients, of course, they are getting insights that they never would have heard before. They say at times that it's even better than their product team because they just would never have been Mm -hmm. thinking about it the way that the patient's brought up. But on the patient side too, it's really rewarding to finally be able to use your experiences for good. Because if you've been diagnosed with a chronic illness or cancer or any of these things that can really strip your life away and this is a way of using those experiences however horrible they may have been for good and kind of giving them a sense of purpose so it's great to hear kind of that feedback from both sides
1: we were recently speaking with a physician who kind of almost felt the same way i think a lot of the consumers do is that things in health it and health care are often done to them and not with them So I think it's a great opportunity for them, for the products, the solutions, the gigs, this feedback to really be more community driven by its end users and patients. So I think that's really brilliant.
2: Yeah, I mean at this point we just see it as a win-win on our end at Savvy, I kind of joke, it's a it's a selfish thing, right? We as patients, we want companies or researchers or innovators to go make better products and services. But yet, they then get to go do that, and they get to get their products to market faster and go make more money. We just want to make sure that we can all do this collectively so that we're not just reinventing the wheel and things failing and never making it to market. Is there anything in
1: particular that's been on your platform that you've seen come to fruition where you really feel like they incorporated the feedback of those people or really drove it to a better end product or you watched it grow maybe from earlier on to where it is now that you
2: feel connected to or enjoy seeing? Yeah, I mean, there are certain products that have come back to us for different iterations, especially different prototypes. that want to get in people's hands and, and try it out. Um, but then even simple things that can be just even marketing campaigns that they want to run by patients. Uh, One example is that we had a company that was trying to develop something in diabetes. And everything they had kept saying, diabetics, diabetics, diabetics. And when you talk to people with diabetes, that's what they want to be referred to as, people with diabetes, as Mm -hmm. opposed to, I'm a diabetic and so even just the simple things it's more inviting it feels like the language that that community is using and that's even the conversation around our patients patients are they consumers you know we work in the disability space as well so how can we think about making sure that we're using the the right language and approaching people in culturally sensitive ways so it's not just developing the physical product it's also how are we then talking about it in the right way to that community.
1: I can definitely relate to that we had a perfectly healthy toddler son um, who was stricken by a really rare disease and went on this wild journey for a few years that ended with the worst possible outcome but through that and what occurred it really it really opens your eyes to other things that are going on in other spaces, kind of taking off those rose colored glasses, and healthcare and what's going on. So I think as a caregiver and a parent, I can appreciate that. And I think even sitting here listening to you, I've heard you give so many examples where I feel like, you know what, I'd like to go online and do that or engage at that level or see what else is out there to almost in a bi-directional way also elicit something. And not every idea is a good idea, right? (laughs) The ones even vendors come up with, it sounds like in the diabetes diabetes example. Um, So next question. If you could snap your fingers and have any magical solution happen in healthcare or health IT, what would it be and why?
2: Oh, that's excellent. I mean, I think some of the... the (laughs) I was going to say the low-hanging fruit, but it's so hard to reach that low-hanging fruit, is just to make things work together. And to if we're developing out new technologies, how can we make it so that it's not the patient's fault for when they don't talk together? I'll give you an example from my personal life. I have lots of different specialists, and one specialist I waited to get in for, and I was trying to coordinate getting my records from A to B, and ultimately, they had to cancel my appointment because they couldn't get my records. And I had them. As a patient, this is where, you know, they talk about the patient having access. I had access. It was on my phone. It already integrated with my other apps. But it was still wasn't good enough. The health system wanted the hard copy. And so that's where... You know, you you try and you try, and as a patient, it's just exhausting because you were doing the right thing. You brought it all together on this new app that people were trying to create for you, yet it wasn't good enough. So until we can find a way for all of that to work together, it's going to be a challenge.
1: In having that desire for that fix, is that part of the reason that you're working in this kind of consortium or co-op type style? Does that drive that?
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, again, if we just keep innovating piecemeal and it doesn't work together, it comes back to being a burden on the patient. And in healthcare, we use the term noncompliance. I hate this term because it puts the onus on the patient as if they've chosen to not follow their treatment plan, when in reality, there are all these hurdles and obstacles in their way to do it, whether or not it's the story I just explained, or they can't get prior authorization, or they can't even get a ride to go pick up their prescription, all these different ways that it's not their fault, yet we just kind of slap them as being sort of the problem child. So. That's why we really, as a co-op, we want to reverse that and say, let's try to put the patient back in sort of a position of power, listen to them so that we can solve those problems. Because that's what, too, you go to these kinds of events or you talk to lots of different companies, and while they might be making something cool, is that actually a problem that needs solving? And that was where even... uh, as a personal story, Savvy kind of started even out of one experience that I had in grad school. So I did Human Factors, and there was a certain... T- well,
1: time out. So for our listeners that don't know what Human Factors are, tell us okay. what Human Factors are before you continue
2: Yes. Story. Do you want me to start in on... in grad give school? Us, no, no, okay. no. Give us
1: just a brief summation. What is Human sure. Factors?
2: So I do human factors and which is a form of doing human centered design to make sure that the things that we're creating are useful and usable to an individual sure. and What was being tested in my grad program was one of these biologic syringes. And so biologic medications, those are the ones you see the fancy commercials for on TV with people like prancing through flowers. Yeah, so those are biologics. And so they're injected with a syringe. And they designed this new fancy syringe, yet there were several different problems that seemed to have because I ultimately ended up being prescribed this medication later. And one simple one is it wouldn't fit in my Sharps container. This was a needle that would not fit in a sharps container that I was provided. And so they just didn't test the whole thing from A to B. And it was just somebody came up with this new fancy design. But for me as a patient, it then created a problem I didn't have. Right. So now I had a stack of needles that ultimately I carried in a Ziploc bag to my doctor to dispose of. So that's just, again, an example of all these different things if we're creating things that ultimately aren't even solving a problem that needed to be solved.
0: Yeah, the... I think the the key word there is solutions looking for problems versus Mm -hmm. the opposite and no, that's great. It's great that people have good ideas and big ideas, but if you can't apply them in a way that's going to be meaningful to the folks that need it, then what's the point? Yeah, It's a exactly. lot of wasted money. And I always think about what you said, that
1: end-to-end thoughtful design for human factors and just what's going on in your point as well, Joy. But, yeah, it's like you, you're people that start at the end of the problem instead of the beginning, like, you have to think about that process all the way through, and very often it does not happen. Yeah. We have a book list going for Hit Like a Girl podcast listeners. Nice. What are some books you're going to be reading personally, professionally, current or past that have either had an impact on you or that you love that you think people should know about?
2: Excellent question. Well, I do love Brené Brown, so certainly uh, Dare Greatly and what's the new one? The Dare, to, Dare to Lead, is I think is the correct name for it. But, yeah, just great. I mean, I just appreciate people that talk about vulnerability, and I think certainly talking as women, it's something that perhaps may come more naturally, and how can we use that as a strength? So I love, you know, thinking about that. Uh, Another great book that I love, The Originals by Adam Grant. Uh, You know, I just... I don't know, it touches on something that just is kind of deep inside me. feels like, yes, finally somebody honoring those of us that are kind of the misfits.
0: I've never heard of it. What is it?
2: Oh, it's a great book. It's really talking about those who, you could say, feel like entrepreneurs, that you just something doesn't fit right you keep trying and that could be as starting a company but it can be being an activist yeah. talking about suffragettes uh, you know giving all these great examples of people who are kind of pushing the status quo and making noise and trying to just do something different and the fact that you can do it on a, on a larger level but also you can do it within an organization so it can be wherever you are
1: i have to ask you another question because i think your mission is so unique Where do you see Savvy going five years
2: from now? Well, I would love to set an example of how we can fairly value patients and do so in a way that can still make a business profitable, but at the same time we can make sure that they are part of the innovation process and fairly valuing them throughout it. We also don't see that this is unique to healthcare. We want to make this something that we're talking to people of various abilities in any sort of consumer product, right? We just want to make sure that even those that may have physical or visual or mental impairments that we're designing for them as well. So we're just looking to create a more equitable way of engaging with people so that we can create those better human-centered design products.
0: And is there an ideal co-op member?
2: like? Somebody who just wants to share their expertise, wants to be heard, and is willing to be part of something new and innovative to, to spread the good word and see what we can do better together. We're really looking for people who you know, thrive on collaboration rather than competition and see what we can do to really drive innovation forward.
1: I think that's great, and I love the bold and aspirational statement about setting, being the example. For that. That's really, really
2: smart. That's what it's it's hard to not practice what you preach if you feel like you want to be somebody who's a leader in the space and create a trusted organization. So if we don't do it, then who will?
1: Right. That's awesome. So Jen, if people want to find you online, in the social media arena, or they want to know more about Savvy Co op. Where can they find you, and where can they find more about your organization and mission?
2: Well, you can go onto our website, which is Savvy.coop, so it's S-A-V-V-Y dot C-O-O-P. You can also check us out on Twitter. We are Savvy underscore Co-op, and if you want to go follow our fabulous little puppets, please do. They are also on Twitter as Savvy Puppets.
0: That's adorable. Do they have names?
2: Some of them do. Uh, we didn't name them before, but we got demand. you got to listen to the people, and they wanted names. So uh, one of them is affectionately known as Savannah for Savvy. And, uh, yes, they, they take on other names as well.
1: Really cool. Jen, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, guys. And
1: thank you for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. If you want to know more about us, for this guest,
0: check out our website at hitlikeagirlpod.com. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate the ratings on iTunes. Or simply tell a friend. You can also connect with us on Twitter or Instagram at the handle a pod. Thanks again. See you soon.